Yachi Baku. I think that's uh, Azerbaijani for well done. Google Translate does not have uh, the uh, the voice <laughs> conversion button for Azerbaijani, so uh, I'm calling the the squiggly line under the S as an SH sound. So is it is Azerbaijani though? It's not Azerbaijanian or Azerba or anything like that. That's what the internet tells me. Awesome, internet's never wrong. So Yakshi and welcome to Shift F1 podcast about speed race cars. I'm Drew Scanlon with me. Danny O'Dwyer, how are you? Top of the morning to you. I'm doing all right. Uh, that was a whole weekend of races. A whole, I want to talk about all of them. We're going to talk about one of them, but I, it, it was, it was fourth on my list of races that I watched. From, <laughs> it did not get on the podium, but uh, it was interesting. It was, I will say it was an interesting weekend in F1. Um, lots of interesting characters coming out at this season. Um, Certainly. Yeah. Uh, also on our three-person podium here, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. Really curious how the rest of the season uh, shakes out. This feels like uh, the, the early story arcs are kind of wrapping up the intro to the season. We got into a pilot <laughs> episode, uh, and now we start like getting into the real conflicts. Mm. Uh, well, should we just jump right into it? Speaking of conflicts, uh, this started back in practice uh really kick things off baku style with uh george russell sucking up a drain cover yeah right and like tearing the bottom of his car off basically i thought i was a soothsayer for a second oh rather not a soothsayer i thought i was rob's soothsayer like he's the oracle and i'm i'm the person that climbs the mountain to tell everyone when i come back down because we were talking about the whole um you know, uh, front wing problem again. And I was like, oh, it happened again. Finally, it happened again. Somebody dumped out and picked something up. But it, nope, it was just a manhole cover, which I, I thought was something they learned years ago. Is this what happens when Charlie Whiting isn't around to dot the I's <laughs> and cross the T's anymore? Like, they're Apparently supposed to be it was a, bolted a f- down, right? A failed clamp, ah. according to the FIA. Uh, they went and checked 300 other manhole covers just to be sure. <laughs> Oh, no. And uh, this was the only one. So, also, just to add insult to injury here, when they put Russell's car onto the uh, back of a truck, <laughs> it drove right into a bridge. <laughs> like it was too tall for the bridge and just uh, smacked the cut the, the crane's arm. hydraulic arm, uh, hydraulic yeah. line, and just started like hemorrhaging <laughs> fluid all over the engine cover. Ugh. <laughs> This was yeah. like the first thing that happened all weekend as well. So it was like a practice had only just started. So and I had to red flag the whole session, right? So yeah, they canceled it. Was kinda, it was just yeah. I think the Ferraris were the only ones to set any time. Mental. We're like, well, uh, at least P two will be better, or not? Sure. Thankfully, Williams had a spare car, uh, which you're not allowed to use in the same session. But I think it's fine otherwise in the rules. Also, the uh, the race organizer sent flowers to to george russell's room <laughs> as an apology uh apparently his fire extinguisher went off too so it was like freezing his legs as he was sitting oh in the car oh my god yeah uh ricardo on twitter after that happened said well done baku yeah that's uh, uh, i believe george russell was the behind or not beyond the grid what are they what are they the behind the scenes thing they do now with one driver oh every, yeah he was the uh, focus what of is the, that called um yeah, I don't know. It's like embed. It's like the embedded thing UFC kind of does. Um, it's uh, it was interesting. It was interesting getting a feel of his sort of uh, his uh, his personality. Um, it's it's very funny seeing 
not just how young he is, but just how young he is in comparison to everyone else in the organization. Like, people who are involved in F1 at any level, like PR, or engineering, or whatever, they're all kind of, like, in their 30s. Or, like, mm. you know, some of them are a bit younger, but he's so young. Um, so it's it was almost like... You know, he was deciding which adults to sit at the table with when he when he was getting his food <laughs> all, at the canteen. All access. That's what it's called. All they did access. one with um, Ricardo, which was actually pretty good, too. I don't know if we mentioned them, but uh, yeah, they're, they're cool little vignettes. They remind me. I wonder if it's the Drive to Survive team, like just throwing off some mm. some dailies, you know, because uh, it looks like that. But mm. yeah, for, uh, free practice one uh, did not really happen. Free practice two had a lot of people going off, making mistakes. Stroll hit a wall, snapped off his front left. Uh, Hamilton, Botas, Gasly, and Ricardo all went off at certain turns. And like practice is where you're supposed to do this. Like you're finding breaking points, right? Um, but this is just a lot. Like Leclerc bumped the wall a couple times. Kafiat hit the wall, snapped off his front left uh and like seeing all this i was like great yes all right baku is coming up it's gonna be great it's just gonna be chaotic uh it's actually further chaos in free practice too ghastly missed the way bridge so oh. you're you're supposed to come in and um there's a uh a way bridge where they weigh your car next to the pit lane and you get called in at random um, this is so, uh, you know, uh, cars can't be too light or, uh, too, not too heavy. You wouldn't want to be heavy. They can't be too light. So they weigh them periodically and Gasly just blew right by it, uh, which I'm sure was an accident, but like rules is rules. So well, it seems like, I know you only see like the, the moment of the infraction, but it does not seem because we've seen this coming up a couple other places it never seems to me like you get much notice not only is like the thing random but it really does sort of seem like you are coming into the pit lane and they flag you and you're yeah like you have to notice immediately that there is a light at the end of the pit lane uh flashing for you to indicate you need to get onto the way bridge uh, i don't know if it, do, it sends the uh, same message to your steering wheel but you know it's a busy environment. You're thinking about getting your pit box. Like it just seems like a very, uh, it seems like a very easy mistake to make. Not one you should make, but nevertheless, it, it, it does sort of seem like this isn't like they tell you you need to come in for a weigh-in. It's literally you're Surprise. kind of you're already there, and then <laughs> nope, you come over here now. Yeah, seems like an easy thing to to mess up, but he did, and will thus start from the pit lane. Uh, as a result. Um, it's such a crazy uh, like penalty. I just I, I I thought that was bananas. Like I guess it's it's meant to stop people from doing it, but like come on, that's like that's a that's a disastrous thing to a penalty to give somebody. It completely ruins their weekend for for just not realizing, you know. Yeah, he also apparently failed a fuel flow limit in Q one, so he would have incurred a penalty there, and right. they changed his gearbox, which maybe. <laughs> Yeah, well, they once just got the penalty, on. right? Who among us yeah, has hot rod in our F1 car before, <laughs> before qualifying? <laughs> just put it, let me just... Speaking of which, Raikkonen also failed a wing deflection test. So your your front wing is only allowed to deflex... Um, actually, I have it right here. Racefans.net dug up the regulation. Uh, it deflected more than five millimeters under a load of 60 newtons. How dare he? Violating Article 3.9.8 of the wow. F1 technical regulations. If his mother heard that, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, 
Yes. So <laughs> with that comedy of errors, let's go into qualifying. Um, the madness c- continues. It really did. And I, <laughs> I, I almost mentioned this article uh, last week in our, our news recap, but apparently... Um, so Robert Kubica is the only driver to have not driven at Baku. Like a lot of the rookies had done it in Formula Two. Um, but Kubica said, it's a brand new track for me. This quote from uh, racefans.net on Thursday. I did a couple of laps in the simulator, but unfortunately our track in the simulator is not representative to what is reality. Oh my gosh. So apparently Williams's model of the Baku track is they're just not great. The, they're just playing the Codemasters game. That's, that's Williams's... <laughs> He may have been better off doing that because uh, Q1, smash cut, Robert Kubica is in the wall right in front of the castle. And I believe that is the first F1 car that has gone into that corner. It's 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 taken a couple of scalps in, in Formula 2 and whatnot, but I don't believe that's actually happened in Formula 1 up really? until that okay. point. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, we've never... I, I, what I, I mean, maybe somebody's clipped it in the past, but I don't think anyone's like like broken uh like a a wheel going into that section it's a scary it's an instant red flag like there's nothing you can do about it yeah because it that that part is like what six and a half meters wide or something yeah it's like like crashing in a tunnel in monaco it's like the minute you do it the the race is stopped so uh robert kibitza will also start from the pit with the amount of changes that they had to do to his car he really um, did hug that inside curb, though. Did you see the crap? Like, yeah, like, so I, he, he's in a very swimmy yeah, car, it. and I feel bad. F- you know, like we we talked we've talked about the Williams grip and the the trouble they're having trying to get heat into the tires, but even still, you could kind of it seemed like there was never going to be a way for him to get out of the the right hander with the way he entered the left. I mean, it's easy for me to say here, but it did seem like he that he bobbled on it, but also the angle he had was just he just went too early, I guess. I think I think it was uh, Paul Duresta who's who was explaining that he or maybe it was Davidson, but they said like he the car turned better than he thought it would. Oh right, <laughs> but okay. that was maybe a result of him not pushing fast enough, which may be a result of him not knowing the track as well. So right, okay. you know who knows? But yeah, he does clip the inside, uh, which is it's so it's a really tight left hander. And he clips the inside of that left apex, which then like catapults him to the right and into the barriers. Then we go to Q2. Smash cut again. Different car in the wall. This time, same wall, different car. This time it's Charles Leclerc. Couldn't have been a more interesting person to have done it, I think. Like a yeah. lot, of, lot of eyes on him. He's done well at this circuit. He knows it well. He's won it multiple times, I believe. I think he, well, he's gotten pole here and won it. I think maybe he didn't win that other race at F2 that year uh, because of some infraction he got after the race or something. But he's he basically like crossed the finish line twice winning this circuit. He knows it so well. And also, we're all waiting to see that battle with him and Seb on a street circuit. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's see about it. Um yeah, I was shocked when I saw it. And, and, and also it's a our different crash. Time. Different. Yeah, how, how did this one sort of... He, he, he locked he, it up. He kind of ate the side of it, yeah. Yeah, he didn't touch the inside apex. He, like, locked it up and instead of bailing, tried to make it and then just went straight into the wall. And so heartbreaking hearing his reaction. Yeah. He's just like, I'm stupid. I'm yeah. stupid. I'm sorry. Could, his confidence in the past like two or three races it's just chipped away piece by piece and you think so i feel like i feel like it had like 
I don't know if he's doubting himself necessarily or he's frustrated, but I, like crashing and qualifying is one of the worst things. Like you're right on the you're right on the limit. Like it's all about you and the track when you're going for your qualifying lap. Like it's all about that. You know, it's the ultimate sort of like uh, test of skill essentially for these drivers. And to do it and to like to do it to crash that badly to red flag a session is to, it, like in the car. The the best maybe the best or second best car on the track is is I think that probably you know I'm I think Catalonia will be a, a safer track for him in that respect but um yeah I, I really felt for him when it happened you know because I felt like everyone was pulling from to do well in quali at least yeah for sure to me he seems like the guy that I think he's he has this sort of uh really kind of rare humility among F1 drivers yeah. that like. I think he's the kind of guy, at least he seems to me, to be able to accept, you know, responsibility for something like that. And in so doing, kind of, you know, let it go a little bit. Like, yep, I messed up. Now it's time to buckle down and move on. Um, So, yeah, hopefully hopefully he can do that in the race. (laughs) Uh, Q3, though, comes and goes with Botas looking for redemption. And he does so, putting it on pole. 0.059 seconds ahead of Hamilton and 0.302 to Sebastian Vettel in third place. Uh, What do you say we run down the rest of the grid here? Max Verstappen in fourth. Sergio Perez, he really likes this circuit as well, starting fifth. Uh, He's the only guy going into this race who's gotten multiple podiums. Yeah, it's amazing. He's the only person. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Danny Kvyat starting sixth uh, in front of Lando Norris. Charles Leclerc, who moves up a couple spots as a result of some penalties, uh, which we'll get to. Carlos Steins Jr. in ninth, and Ricardo rounding out the top ten. Behind them, Albon, Magnussen, Stroll, Grosjean, Hulkenberg, Russell. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi gets a 10-place grid penalty for using too many power unit elements. Robert Kubica, uh, again, starting from the pit lane due to his uh, setup changes. Raikkonen for his uh, wing deflection and Gasly for missing the way bridge, a gearbox change and uh, exceeding the maximum fuel flow limit. Keeping a little bit of an eye on Hulkenberg, he's really not feeling it. Like I was surprised just how poorly he did in quali. Like it, like himself and Danny almost felt like they were in different cars a bit there. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's. I think he, feels- he's one that doesn't like this track. Oh really? Is it? Yeah, he doesn't do well here. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason. Uh, you want to take us through the start, Danny? Sure. I mean, I, I'm not... I always feel like the f- the first turn in Baku and the second turn in Baku, I feel like <laughs> every year we've had something go on in the first couple of laps. Um, I mean, that escape road at the end of uh, the second turn got a lot of action all over the weekend. Um, but as it happens, there there wasn't all that much in terms of contact uh, coming into uh, uh, the first the first half of the lap. Um, Hamilton and Vatas was basically where everyone's eyes were. Hamilton got a wonderful start off the line, um, and to his credit, left a, a, a nice amount of space for Valtteri to fight back. Um, it seemed pretty. Uh, he didn't uh, close him off in any respect, even as Bottas sort of regained track position going into turn two. Um, he left space for Hamilton as well. Uh, I mean, you kind of have to on the inside of that corner, otherwise you're probably going to hurt yourself as well. Um, but on the way onto that sort of uh, the second DRS, or I guess technically the first DRS straight, the the, the straight after turn two, uh, they were still um, uh, neck and neck. Valtteri got ahead of him, protected. Uh, he kind of 
moved early to his left and then protected uh, the outside of the apex for the turn. But by that stage, he'd kind of like cemented the uh, the the track position. And uh, by the end of the lap, he had actually uh, gained quite an advantage over Hamilton. So he he rode well once um, once he sort of recovered from that start. The only main piece of action that that was interesting um, beforehand was um, Sergio Perez getting past Max Verstappen on that turn too. Yeah. Um, and and somewhere at the back, I'm not sure if it was really televised or anything, but Ricardo ended up ahead of Leclerc, I believe. So he actually managed to gobble up with. Did he start ninth or tenth? He started tenth, so directly behind Leclerc. Right. Yeah, Leclerc kind of bogged it. Oh, is Leclerc uh, an eighth or, or he ninth? was an eighth? Oh, he was an eighth. Yeah, yeah. so we so we made two positions up. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess yeah. And, and, oh, did Leclerc bog it? So he had another bad start. That's uh, yeah, interesting. He's, I think so. If I'm remembering the replay correctly. Right. But yeah, apart from that, they came around for the, the 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 next lap, and you know the ever the pack was pretty close together. But it was it was interesting just seeing uh, just how far Bottas was of Hamilton already at that stage. We're used to roles reverse that being the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you could you know Valtteri was kind of on his way once he'd recovered from that uh, the start. Yeah, uh, Verstappen though I think it was cool seeing Perez jump him, but like again, uh, he's got this kind of split field here with um, Verstappen getting by him pretty easily on lap five. Actually, uh, now that I think about it, was Ricardo on softs? Yes, and Leclerc. Okay. I forgot to mention this. Leclerc was starting on medium tires because those are the tires that he he actually got into Q3 despite oh. having crashed in Q2. Oh no, he and, said a time. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he like a good time. Um thankfully though, I think the um the FIA or whoever let him uh use a different physical set of tires because usually the regulations are the actual tires that you set your lap time on are the but ones in, that you start the race on. But that's in Q3, isn't it? Uh in Q2. Oh. The, the tires you use, if you get to Q3, the tires you use to get there are the actual physical tires that you You're start right. the race Sorry. on. Not the ones uh, that you, you, not the the ones you burn in the, Q3. Yeah, put on a good show for the people, tires. Right. Yeah. And then, but, and then, but we sometimes see them appear during the race. Right? They like reseat the Q3 ones sometimes. That's kind of like um, the extra used pair they sort of have sometimes, right? That's I one don't of the think so. Reasons Leclerc had an extra set of softs, though, correct? Because he didn't use. Ah, okay. Okay, yeah. Anyway, th- he didn't have to do that. Um, use those actual tires because he crashed them. Right. So they let him use some new medium tires. Medium Same compound, but different actual tires. But, but it yeah. seemed like a race just going into it that was going to be a, a one stop with a, 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 a medium and a soft. At least going into it, that's kind of... But then also, safety car madness usually at this track sort of makes that more of a possibility. Um, so starting on the mediums, you're kind of hoping, oh, well, at the end of the race, I'll get that back. Yeah, so they're thinking everybody else in the top 10 is starting on soft tires, and they're everyone's thinking that they'll start pitting around lap 14. Right. Um, but yeah, Verstappen uh, gets back the place that Perez took um, on lap 5th, or lap the 5th for 4th place. Uh, <laughs> Raikkonen also... I think it was having problems with his new front wing um, mm. and has to pit early. Didn't have uh, that 68 Newtons he was enjoying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Leclerc makes up a lot of uh, uh, positions, though, even though he is on those medium tires. Apparently, they um, are looking like the better tire for this race pretty early on. The soft may have a faster pace, but it looks like only for a few laps. There's a faster cliff. Uh, apparently on those tires, whereas the mediums 
are slower to begin with, but last for, for much longer. The word on the uh, softs he, was they were graining weirdly and really easily in these temperatures. I, I think that was one of the other issues with them, is that not, okay. like, not only did their sweet spot not last for long, but just in terms of the character of their wear, uh, mm. the medium stayed good for a while and fell off very gradually and predictably, whereas mm. these softs were apparently, uh, at least on a lot of cars, uh, wearing ungracefully. In a way that you'd not want a tire to wear. The track was also I, I like we're used to seeing the big change over the weekend, but it was a different track when it came to race day. I'm 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 sure the FP2 races had a massive effect on that. It's just so it's so funny how seeing the races where there aren't the uh, sorry the Formula Two races um, where they don't happen, but you get that extra amount of rubber that's put on by all these cars, especially with the amount of safety cars they had. I wonder if that extended it again because they were just because they're timed races, right? So like I mm-hmm. wonder if that was. Uh, if that improved it or not. Yeah, they were also talking about the the difference between like sun and shade here was ah, pretty drastic. Yeah. And again, yes. you got the wind coming off the Caspian Sea, so a lot of a lot of environmental things to consider. Uh Leclerc blows by Verstappen on lap ten for fourth place. Um Gasly also moving up quick from the pit lane. He's up to seventh place by lap eleven. Uh although two people by that point had already pitted ahead. Uh, pit stops start happening al- around lap 10 or so. Which is um, early. Which is, yeah, which is way early than people thought they were going to do. Uh, Leclerc actually manages to catch Sebastian Vettel around lap 12, uh, which, again, highlights the fact that you know Vettel started on softs uh, and Leclerc is on his mediums, and by then he had already caught up to that point. Uh, Vettel pits then before Leclerc can actually catch him, sidestepping that, you know, <laughs> teammate <laughs> issue, I guess. Uh, and then to follow suit, Mercedes then uh, pits their drivers, Botas, and then Hamilton. I actually got a, uh, a message, uh, I think, on Twitter from someone saying, like, you mentioned the under- undercut, but could you explain it? So I think this is a perfect opportunity to do so. Uh, Vettel, who is behind uh, Hamilton, who's behind Botas, pits first. And if he puts on new tires, especially these mediums, which are working pretty well, he could potentially, on those new uh, fast tires, go much faster than Botas and Hamilton are going. So even though he is physically on track behind those guys, they've still got a pit. So if he is making up time on them, when they pit, they might come out behind him if he goes faster for longer. So what you want to do to prevent that is to pit right after Fettel so that he doesn't make up time on you. That's covering for the undercut. Everybody got that? Got it. <laughs> uh, we should send an infograph pit. of that or something. Just yeah, I'm not sure I did the best best explanation there, but <laughs> no, was uh, good. Um, I'm sure there are YouTube videos. Uh, Verstappen does not pit. He is going longer and uh, I think pits around lap 15. And they actually talked to Christian Horner um, about the tires and stuff. And he calls Leclerc's pit stop at lap 35. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> does end up happening. Also, uh, further insult to injury for Williams. Kubica gets a drive through for yeah. arriving at the pit exit too early. Which is a, a rule that they did not... Know. Well, okay, they knew it existed, but they didn't know that there was a gap in the, the... There's like a window past the point where they knew they were supposed to go that they did not go before. So 
literally when that happened, they had to like inquire with race control as to what exactly specifically why they had been late because they didn't realize that like there was a specific window that they had to come in under. Um, yeah, yeah, which is such a oh, like the, how it's it's that's embarrassing. It's it's like when you get caught for speeding in the pit lane. But, like, when you don't know it was a rule, that must sting twice as bad. That must look just like egg on your face. I think it's a new rule, too. Oh, really? Which is real rough, yeah. Um, let's see. Just handing out, handing out penalties for <laughs> policy infractions this weekend. I know, yeah. Cracking down. Uh, lap 30, Botas, uh, who has pitted, catches Leclerc, who has not yet pitted um, and is in first place. Which is interesting because you think that maybe Leclerc can back Botas into Hamilton, who is mm. a second and a half behind Botas, uh, or maybe back Hamilton into Vettel, who is three and a half seconds back from Hamilton. Um, but that doesn't really happen. Botas gets by Leclerc and retakes the lead, uh, and Hamilton gets by a lap later. I, I still don't know what Ferrari were doing. Like in the race, in the fog of war, I didn't understand why they weren't bringing him in. I still don't think I understand why were they was it the safety car thing they were just like meh meh was it ferrari indecision that rob was talking about for the past couple of weeks all over again yeah like i think (laughs) like genuinely like i was watching that and it surprised me in the sense that it was an obviously poor call they were making and they're hanging out leclerc to dry uh but it made perfect sense with the track record ferrari is assembling of being unable to uh like make important calls with a live race. I Hmm. also can't help but wonder, Leclerc's strategy had really worked out well, like incredibly well, to the point where he goes on to soft. So like they if they pull him in before he becomes like just a sitting duck out there for the Ferraris, because they did not have to work like not the not the Ferraris, the Mercedes. The Mercedes drivers did not have to work hard to pass him. Like, he was basically, he had given up so much pace by the time they caught up to him that he could not defend at all. Um, and my, the thing I'm wondering about was, was screwing up his race strategy a way to duck having to decide who who you were aiming to put higher in the placement at the end of the race? Like could like could he because if he if they had if they had pitted him earlier and now he is coming out on softs, arguably like supposedly the higher performing tire, and suddenly he emerges like say right behind Seb. Like that's the that's the thing I was wondering as I was looking at it, is like, is this a way of like on some level not dealing with this again? Like in addition to like like just hesitancy about race strategy, is there also just a hesitancy now to sort of play that game of swapping the car order tactically? Like has that become so fraught that they're kind of just like almost willing themselves in these situations where like the situation is basically resolved without them having had to make a clear public choice? And the result of that is like Leclerc got buried uh, yet again. Like Ferrari have traditionally been a, you know, driver one, driver two team more than a lot of the other teams. You have to imagine, though, like getting rid of, I mean, there's been a lot of like head, head, you know, changes at the organizational level over the past year um, at Ferrari and in the F1 team. But like you have to imagine when they're preparing for this season, they were coming in with a very rookie and driver one scenario. Like I, I don't. 
I'm sure they didn't think it was going to be like Kimmy and Seb, but I don't think they thought it was going to be like it is now. And I wonder if, to what Rob was saying, that like they had their game plan then and they haven't sort of like readdressed that at any stage, maybe. Maybe they're hoping that it'll settle back to what they originally had or maybe they're caught between two minds on it. But it just seems like Leclerc is... is He's having the bad luck and he's had a couple of like things that are within his control that have gone wrong, but he's also having a lot of things that are outside of his control go wrong that Seb isn't. And you kind of feel like, why is that happening? And, you know, as we say, the longer the season goes on, the more we can see these patterns emerging. But that's one that we're starting to see now is that like he's having a bit of bad luck, but he's also, you know, feels like he's getting those driver number two um, decisions in a way that's not really happening at Mercedes, for instance. Yeah, and and uh, I think to your point, like it, it kind of makes sense for that to be the initial plan. Like, all right, we're gonna yeah. prioritize Vettel and Leclerc. You know, you just do what you can, or or here's here's your um, duty for the race. Blah blah blah. But you're right. Like they have opportunities that show up, but because that doesn't fit into the plan, they don't take any risks or they don't capitalize on situations they just stick to plan a all of the time because that's the safest and most conservative thing to do which is i, I mean yeah. that's ferrari in a nutshell right yeah but the other part of ferrari things being ruthless right and i think this <laughs> is this is the thing is like if you're going to run your team this way and it's to hell with it. Like you're all just chess. Like you're all just like pawns on my chessboard, and I'll move you around. <laughs> at you know, as we see fit. I mean, yeah. again, the Schumacher era. Uh, you know, that was his team. Like everything was sort of built around him. Uh, but I think the other part of this is if you're trying to like you're desperately trying to stay alive in the constructors' championship. Forgetting, but forget about drivers' championship for the moment. You just want to stay alive a, like a little bit longer because this is a snowballing disaster uh, that that is unfolding. Uh, and at that point, like you need to be able to just make these really like, you know, cold, like cold decisions of look, you know, Leclerc had a really good first stint on those fresh mediums. The tire worked out way better than we thought. Now we need to get him on the softs earlier in this race. Seb, you need to move out of the way because you are not on the, you are not on the fast tire right now. Leclerc needs to go on the attack. Like that's that. And I don't, and the weird thing is. I actually think that's doing an injustice to Seb. Like, that is actually a call that I think Seb would get, right? Like, especially given the weirdness of how this whole race dynamic shook out. Like, mm. if it's... Look, we know we have a fast car. Though I'm not sure we do. We'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> uh, but, like, we, we know theoretically we've got a really fast car. Leclerc is really good here. Things have shaken out where, yeah. you know, he managed to stay ahead of the Ferrari for the, of the Mercedes for a while. Uh, we can put him on the soft and see what he can get done. I don't think that is a decision that is controversial or is going to sow a lot of like bad blood in the team. But instead, it was just this weird. I would have understood it, you know, Drew. You you said like maybe he wants to back uh, Valtteri into into Hamilton. I would I would have gotten it if there'd been anything left in the car that he could have done that right. Like just mm, just yeah. the sort of. Like, just make that car as wide as possible and just relentlessly screw with those guys. But the problem is uh, it didn't look like you carry enough speed into Sector 3 to maintain any kind of gap that a straight line speed could do him any good. Uh, but it just, like, it whatever that plan was didn't come close to working out. And then by the time he's on the soft, he's being told... Boy, track conditions are really bad. Uh, you know, the, the track is cooling off fast. I, you know, just go into protect, protection mode. Um, and 
the track conditions weren't a surprise either. Like the bad temperatures, the, the what was happening late in the day was also had also been a feature throughout the weekend. So it also shouldn't have been a surprise to them that like, damn, like he's come out on the soft and there's not a lot in that tire right now. Uh, and if you've done it hat like a half dozen laps earlier, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's it's a weird decision. Uh, they're they're getting a lot of bad breaks, but I think they're also making a fair bit of of their own bad luck. Um, I. I did raise one thing that I want to ask you guys. I kept hearing this weekend people talking about, we know Ferrari has the, be- the best car, the better car. Do we? Yeah. How yeah, is I, that I, conventional wisdom? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 kept, I was actually sort of wanting to ask you about that as well because I, I didn't see it at any stage over the weekend. Like, uh, like I, it was hard in practice because it was ridiculous. Practice was weird and track conditions were strange and everyone was swimming and, and there was a bunch of crashes and stuff. But like, I, yeah, I ne- it never felt that way. It felt like they were to pace, perhaps. Like it felt, it didn't feel like last year, but it, at no stage did Baku feel like a track that Ferrari had a, an edge on at all. Uh, I just wanted to point out uh, the first, the uh, most thumbs up comment on the qualifying highlights for uh, Formula One YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, roses are red, violets are blue, Ferrari are fastest, Mercedes won too. Hey, man, if you want poetry about F1, you wait till the email section this week. <laughs> we, we, we got yeah. some good stuff coming. But I don't know. It just baffles me. This this idea that like Ferrari is squandering their moment as, as like where they have the best car, the better car. Because if we're drawing that conclusion from things Mercedes are saying publicly, they lie all the time. Like <laughs> Hamilton always thinks things are going terribly until he just winds up at the top of the podium and he's like, damn, I really didn't think we had it this weekend. Really had it. Di- it's like Rocky. It's like Rocky never thinks he's going to win. Like it's just, it's a, it's a weird thing. My partner said it's sort of a New England Patriots thing where like Mercedes is so good, right. but what they feed off of is this idea of you can't rest. You're always being underestimated. You're always outgunned. You just got to like, you know, scrap it out. And yeah. I, is that is that why people think uh, Mercedes is really struggling to keep pace with the Ferrari? If that were the case, these qualifiers would be going different, if not the race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> continuing misfortune, we uh, we cut suddenly to Danny Cafiat and uh, Daniel Ricardo. Oh boy! Uh, off the road into one of the escape areas. And uh, we get a replay where Ricardo dives down the inside uh, and locks up and has to bail. And that kind of causes Kafiat to have to bail, too. Like, none of them, neither of them makes the turn. But, you know, no damage. But then Ricardo hits the reverse button and just plows right into Kafiat's floor. In, in, like a, just, in, a, in a Danny Kafiat, Danny Ricardo crash, I never thought I would see a scenario where Ricardo looked like the amateur driver and Kvyat was actually really smart. I could not believe how, when he do, when he dove down the inside, it seemed like a very optimistic overtaking um, uh, strategy. And Kvyat, to his credit, almost, it kind of reminded me of, do you remember when Massa crashed in Canada and Seb somehow saw him coming on the left oh, uh-huh. mirror and turned in and, and, and just straightened up for a second while he flew past? Danny, in the same respect, I mean, he's obviously going to be looking in that way when he's when he's turning in. But he he straightened out, and he there was nothing he could do. Like he he had to straighten out to not have Ricardo hit him, and then he was kind of stuck where he was. But then it was I I think in the moment Ricardo was so flustered with what he had done 
that he just he, he said himself he never looked in his mirror yeah uh he said sorry i didn't see him uh and then that was during the race um oh, we didn't hear it but that's in the uh the radio um replay on f1's youtube channel but after the race, he said, it was my mistake, and I'm sorry to the team and to Daniel. It was a bit of urgency on my behalf, and I didn't think straight for a few seconds, so I have to take that one on the chin. Uh, he earns a three-place grid penalty for the next race, Ricardo does, uh, and two penalty points on his license, uh, and both of them have to retire from this race. Did Ricardo go out the exit because Kvyat, he his back of his car was shagged, but he, did he drive back to the pits, or did they both get any escape? I road? think they, I think they both drove back to the pits. Okay, yeah, because it was I very be interesting wrong. to see the cars both stricken, but both able to essentially do eighty percent of the lap again. Um, but it was so unfortunate because, like, again, Kvyat retires, doesn't finish another Baku. He's never finished in Azerbaijan, but this one was not his fault at all. Like, yeah, he, yeah, I, I felt bad for him. Okay. Finally, Leclerc does pit lap 35, just when Horner said they would, uh, and comes out behind Gasly, just barely. Mm. Uh, and we get some good defense from Gasly, but Leclerc does get by uh, in a few corners. Um, uh, I think, let's see, he's 20 seconds to Verstappen. So even if they um, had pitted him, like a little bit earlier, he still would have had a lot of ways to go. But I think you're right. If he, they would have pitted him many laps earlier, uh, things could have looked a lot different. Uh, unfortunately for Gasly, though, he does retire or, or, a few laps yeah. later. Or they wouldn't have put him out behind Gasly. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. Which is not what you true. want. To, to, the mini of fresh tires on, the last thing you want to be doing is fighting for position. Like, right. Uh, not, Gasly, just another bungle. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, was that, like, surely that wasn't the window yeah, two laps like earlier. That was like by 0.4 seconds, Right. right. Like, and uh, they did a fairly good pit stop, but, you know, <laughs> couldn't you have done that a lap earlier and not lost that time? Well, yeah. Whatever. All right. Too much. Uh, Gasly retires <laughs> with a drive shaft failure, which brings yeah. out the virtual safety car, uh, which have we've seen the virtual safety car, I think, already this season. Right? I don't know if we have this season. Maybe that was a FT race. But anyway, virtual safety car. N- no physical safety car comes out. Uh, and, you know, usually when the real safety car comes out, everybody stacks up behind that car so they can slow everybody down. But instead the virtual safety car, just it shows up on their dash, reduce speed. And they have, um, this took me a while to figure out when they first announced this thing. Cause I thought it would like physically restrict how fast the car could go. Kind of like a formula E thing, <laughs> but instead they have, um, and you can see this when they're, uh, racing or qualifying, they get updates about how they're doing on the lap every like hundred feet or so. It's their um, it's their delta between them and the car ahead, right? Uh, e- yes, or their delta between how they did on the last lap or something. They have to. So I think I'm not sure. Are they mandated to maintain the interval? Or I know they have to reduce their lap time. So their lap time has to be forty percent higher than it was uh, on the pre uh, under race pace. Uh, I yeah. think that was the so reduced speed by forty percent, which means you need to be actually lapping forty percent higher over where higher you were time, on the so yeah. slower. So yeah. you're monitoring that. I'm not sure you also then have as long as you do that, I think you're good. So if somebody else screws yeah. up and they're like, "Well, I better slow down," they go like sixty percent higher. I think they just lost that time. Uh, it's yes. not on you to maintain. But it's that not gap. a. It's not as easy as a speed limit though. 
uh, like right. you have in the pit lane. It's no, it a, requires it's an way actual more driver awareness. Lap delta. But what I couldn't wrap my head around was that like they actually do have a, basically a real time uh, indication on their dash uh, of what their delta should be. So that's what they're looking at. Uh, no one um, broke any rules here under safety car, I don't think, uh, or virtual safety car. But some people did take the opportunity to pit because when you, when everyone else is going slower, the pit effectively takes the same amount of time that it normally does, but you lose less time to everybody else because they're going a lot slower around the track. Most of the people we, in the back of the field did that. Uh, no one up front pitted. We did have a, an email from Eric Shields this week as well who was asking about um, the virtual safety car. We've answered most of the question, but the other question, uh, part of it he had just to round it off was how does it benefit some people and not benefit other people? Um I guess one of the ways in which it benefit people would be if you're entering the sort of pit area as the VSC is called, it's more advantageous to be able to come in immediately. Is that right? Right, because like you, you effectively are spending less time being slow. Yeah. Uh, and then you not only get that advantage, but you get new tires uh, and you don't lose that. I think under normal race conditions, you lose effectively 20 seconds in mm. the pits. And that's uh, pretty standard, or 20, 25 seconds standard uh, throughout each uh, of the races on the calendar. Um, but so, here so you, you would yeah. only lose nine seconds under the safety car, effectively. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, and you'd get new, new tires. Uh, the real safety car is what's really interesting because, um, you know, Leclerc was 20 seconds behind Verstappen. So if a real safety car had come out, he would restart the race like mere feet behind Verstappen and then give him a run for his money. And if uh, you are, this is why what I was saying with the Ferrari strategy earlier, if, if, if for instance, the, you were, you know, 30 seconds ahead of the car behind you, then it's essentially a free pit stop because you go in, get on new tires and by the time you'll get bunched up anyway. So if nobody overtakes you, and even if somebody does overtake you, if you're on fresh tires and the, you know, safety car pulls in and you're able to overtake whoever's ever behind you, um, it's advantageous as well. But generally, only more so as long as everyone else has pitted ahead of you a number of laps earlier. Because then sometimes we get the situation where everyone pits under a safety car because it happens just <laughs> right. as the window is opening. And, and then it's kind of much of a muchness. Yeah. Um, so the commentators were thinking that maybe the medium tires were going to be harder to restart with because they had cooled mm. off. Uh, so advantage there would go to Leclerc, who's now on the softs because you know, he's on the opposite strategy. But he, I guess, gets kind of bogged down for some reason um, and loses a lot of time to Verstappen on the restart. Uh, I think he's now like 29 seconds after the restart behind Verstappen. Um, and curiously, Hamilton also uh, loses about two and a half seconds. Um, and speaking of uh, the dashboard and things like that, racefans.net has a, a quote from him. Um Regarding the virtual safety car restart, he says, so that was my fault uh, and something I'll work on. There's something, there's some things on, I can fix on the dash to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, Botas confirmed that he and Hamilton used different configurations. Quote, it's pretty similar, but between us, there are some differences. We work with a personal electronics engineer. We work on starts uh, and the dash, those kinds of things. I've been pleased with the information, and I think I managed to be close enough to the delta time under the VSC. It was a really important restart. Botas uses X for menus, but Hamilton grew up playing Japanese PlayStation games, so he uses Circle. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, lap, lap 48 <laughs> and scene lap 48 uh leclerc 
is so far, well, he's behind Verstappen, and we only have, what, uh, three laps to go here that he's not going to catch him, and he's so far in front of, uh, who was behind him? Verstappen? Uh, no, behind him. I think it was Perez, I think. Uh, he's so far ahead of him that he can pit, uh, put on new tires, and then go for the fastest lap, uh, which he does, and he gets it with some help from Hulkenberg, who's uh, yeah. breaking the air in front of him. <laughs> and uh, kind of a, a, an interesting finish. Two laps from uh, the end, Hamilton gets within DRS range uh, of Botas, who actually hits traffic in front of him. But uh, ultimately, that turns into an advantage since uh, George Russell, the back marker, gives Botas a DRS. Um, and Hamilton cannot get it done. Uh, maybe he would have if he hadn't lost two and a half seconds to Botas under the virtual safety car. But redemption for Valtteri Botas and another Mercedes 1-2. Uh, no team, by the way, in the history of Formula 1 has ever gone gotten two 1-2s in the first four races. History wow. in the making. There you go. A lot of one-twos. Meanwhile, over in Formula E, we've now had eight races with eight winners. Oh, my God. <laughs> the streak continues. Uh, let me finish out the rest of the finishing positions here. Vettel in third place uh, and Verstappen in fourth. Those top four are the same as the start of the race, which is really not what I was expecting from Baku. No. Uh, Leclerc made up three positions to finish fifth. Um, right behind him, Sergio Perez in sixth. Then we got Sainz, Norris, uh, Stroll up from 13th place. Um, and uh, Raikkonen rounding out the top 10, getting a point from the pit lane. Woo. Way to go, Kimmy. Uh, behind those guys, Albon, Giovinazzi, Magnussen, Hulkenberg, Russell, and Kubica. Gasly, Ricardo, uh, Kafiat, and Grosjean uh, all DNF'd with a drive shaft failure um, from, for Gasly, that reversing fiasco with Ricardo and Kafiat, and uh, Grosjean went out with a brake issue. I don't think we mentioned that. but uh, I wish I, I never yeah. caught up what actually happened with uh, Ricardo's, the back of his car, because I, I wasn't sure what it was, because cause it looked like the, the lights in the back, the sort of Urs recovery guy, some yeah. of those had gone, but I couldn't. I think the diffuser was the main thing. Oh, uh, okay, right. Cr- yeah. Crumpled it or something. Uh, so that gives us championship uh, changes here. Botas jumps back up to first place with 87 points. Hamilton's got 86. Vettel is now back in third after jumping Verstappen. He's got 52 points to Verstappen's 51. It is real tight mm. between those guys as well. Leclerc's got 47. Perez uh, jumps up six places to be tied uh, with Raikkonen and Gasly, actually, with 13 points. Norris in ninth with 12, and Magnussen in 10th with 8. Behind those guys, Sainz, Hulkenberg, and Ricardo are each tied with 6. Uh, Sainz getting on the board this time. He was pointless before, now has 6 points. Uh, Stroll has got 4 points, Albon with 3, Kafiat with 1, and that leaves Antonio Giovinazzi, Russell, Kubica, and Grosjean with 0 points. Hmm. Um... Before we get into news, can I do a quick little Formula 2? Uh, sure. Let me just run down the team standings here. Oh, my apologies. Sorry. Uh, Mercedes way, way out in front with 173 <laughs> points. Ferrari's got 99 and Red Bull with 64. Behind them, McLaren with 18. Ooh. Racing Point with 17. Alfa Romeo with 13. Renault with 12. Gene Haas and team have 8 points. Scuderia Toro Rosso with 4. 
And Williams still has zero points. I'm sorry, Williams. Man, I feel bad for Toro Rosso maybe more than Williams at this stage. Four points. McLaren, though. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, for those who are just joining us this season um, or maybe last season. McLaren and Williams were like uh, two peas in a pod. They were both really bad. Um, so to see McLaren turn it around this year uh, is is super cool. It's a nice, fun battle, I think, emerging between... I mean, Racing Point are strong, but even Alfa Romeo, I think, are doing better than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget Sauber, how bad they were. Mm. It was... Remember the years of, like, Sauber uh, and Caterham? Oh, Those yeah. were the, the former back markers. The Caterham, no yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot changes once Ferrari effectively starts building your car. That's yeah. just... Yeah. <laughs> and giving you their drivers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was a... Um, I really liked this race. Like I was there for the battle between Botas and and Hamilton. Like there was, yeah. they were with the like there was a minute there where uh, Valtteri looked like he was really just going to open out one of those dominant like Vettel style leads where mm-hmm. just okay he made the first two corners and now we wave goodbye to him and he goes and wins this race in a walk. Uh, Hamilton never let go of the back of him. Uh, yeah. Also, it seemed like but the team was kind of aggressively trying to control their race paces because I think both of them had an inclination to drive beyond the tire life and the life of the, the tire strategy. Uh, so both in their first stint and their second stint, they were reminded that, uh, you know, you, these things have to last for a while. Uh, so it was interesting because like you'd see like Hamilton just start like just taking huge gouges out of Valtteri's time. And then uh, Botas would realize and he'd start to open the gap up a little bit. But those last like, you know, half dozen laps where Hamilton is just closing in on Botas again, like just relentlessly, uh, you know, getting closer and closer. Um, it was, it was pretty tense and dramatic. And I was really curious. Did you guys know, did you guys watch the, um, after the interview in the winner's circle, you know, they all go upstairs into the, uh, the, the green, green room, room, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Did you, did you guys watch that, that sequence? I usually do, but this time I, I had baby duties, so I had to run away. What happened? I, I did, yeah. Oh, cool. Drew, did you find the energy weird in that room yes. compared to... Yeah, okay. I, it, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me that, like, you know, Botas's dog ran away or something before the race. You know, like, he just seemed kind of bummed out he, uh, instead of just super pumped. It was strange. Well, he and Hamilton didn't exchange a word. And then yeah. there's a moment where like like Valtteri slams a bottle of water on the table. Like and yeah, no, we're definitely reading tea leaves here, Danny, but like if you watch this thing live, <laughs> it's it's weird. Like you compare like uh Botas after Australia yeah. is like obviously overflowing, just like savoring in the moment. It is such a like redemptive moment for him. It's such an it's such an important moment. Here he is entirely reserved. He's not engaging with Hamilton at all. Seb walks into the room also seems to feel like the energy is weird and tries to strike up a conversation. <laughs> it's just not really happening. Um, I like I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me like that Hamilton had like had told Valtteri I'm going to kill your dog. Because um, <laughs> and this is this is the thing that I'm starting to wonder about. Hamilton has never had a good relationship with a teammate who he viewed as an actual threat for like position or the sure. championship. Like when there is a championship on the line, Hamilton's record as a teammate is really bad. Um, and that doesn't necessarily. Yeah. 
pretty much. Uh, there's only room for one, and uh, I like if I if I think there's a championship in the off- offing, uh, I will do whatever it takes. We are not friends. We are not teammates. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to get there, and I think that was so intense that like. You will never convince me that's not why Rosberg left the sport after winning a championship. Right. You will never convince me that Nico Rosberg did not, having reached the pinnacle of his profession, realize that like retiring would be better than doing that again. <laughs> um, you know, Alonso's career trajectory was altered by his encounter with Hamilton as a teammate. Uh, I think Hamilton got along with, with, with Jensen Button because I think Jensen Button was okay just going along for a while. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. if there if you were in a championship contending car, Jensen Button didn't really give a shit. Like he'd be fine. He was going to be fine with that. And I mean, the one year Jensen was in contention at the end, there was also like three other drivers outside of their team who were in contention up until that final race. So it wasn't as if it was a you know a two horse race at that at any stage during that season. So I look at this, and I I do kind of wonder if this was the race where like. I don't know. Hamilton sort of put Valtteri on notice that, like, look, uh, it's on. We're going to be using live ammo from here on out. Uh, and <laughs> he said after he regretted being too friendly with him in the first first two corners. What does that mean if not, like, next yeah. time, like, you know, I'm going to go Senna on your ass. And, like, <laughs> you know, that's – and I think for Valtteri, you have this moment, too. Valtteri ostensibly wanted this. You know, he wants to be a great driver. He wants to be having that season where he's where he's at the forefront. His career's never been he has to be all on 100% perfect every time, right? At Williams, that is not the that is you have to perform well well at Williams, but that's not the standard. That's not the pressure you're under. If you're against Hamilton, you are fighting the Terminator. Like this is the mm-hmm. thing. Valtteri led that race from beginning to end, but Hamilton was always there up until the very end. If Valtteri bobbles one corner, he loses that race. Mm. And I and the weird thing is Hamilton lives there. He can do that. Rosberg's talked about this. He doesn't make those mistakes. He's good in every single stage. Valtteri's having a career year. It is taking everything within him. And he's eking out these wins against yeah. Hamilton. I mean, Rosberg was the same way. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like by the skin of his teeth, he won that championship. Unless that's what it feels like in my memory. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny It's funny having this conversation now because I remember having an exchange with Rob, I think it was maybe three weeks ago, where I was saying like, oh, is this the new Hamilton? Is this because he's, he's always so <laughs> yeah. generous in, in press conferences about Valtteri, even when Valtteri did things wrong or whatever, he was apologizing on his behalf or he was like supporting him and doing all this sort of stuff. And then Rob was saying like, well, we'll have to see. Well, like, do the gloves come off when, when they start to have... You know, it, when it starts to be big boy time, when it's not just, you know, my little brother doing well and I'm trying to support him, but I'm the big brother. You know what I mean? Now it's like, oh, they're, they're toe to toe. Off, off the table. Like, a barring. Well I, well, I wonder, because like what's interesting and in then is like it reminds me of the sort of like Weber, Vettel, Red Bull era, right? Mm. When they were championship contenders, but the, it was the rub between the two of them that started to allow the competitors behind them to catch up. So... I mean, dream scenario this year is that we have a bit of, you know, the Mercedes maybe taking each other, not taking each other out in the race, but like just that tension. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the Game of Thrones thing. It's like the battle you're not watching is the one that kills you in the end, right? It's <laughs> like it, the, if they're having a bit of inter-team tension and then suddenly the Ferraris start to, to, to close that gap a little bit. Um, and Leclerc has, a, has his redemptive arc. 
just want to point out here, uh, this happened in 2016 when Rosberg was really making a charge for the championship. Um, and that's about this time was when uh, the gloves started coming off. Mm. Spanish Grand Prix 2016, Rosberg <gasps> and Hamilton right. collide. You're right. First lap Do you remember? out of the race. That is still the craziest driving I've ever seen Lewis do in my life. Yes. When he went up on the grass. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rosberg kind of closed it a bit, but... You're right. God, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I can. I can link that. That's a good. That's a good clip. Whew. So um, this is the thing. Like this is what I'm looking forward to, man. Like I think. I think what we saw yesterday was Valtteri realizing, oh shit, I could do this. But yeah, one it <laughs> and I being real is different than the dream. And I think yesterday, like Australia was great. This one is the okay. You've reclaimed the championship lead from Lewis Hamilton. Hmm. Opening act of the season is done. Yeah. It's going to be like this the way all the way on out. You up and this will it. be so much. It'll be so much more interesting than Rosberg as well because Votas has a head of steam. Like his battles with Raikkonen in previous years. You know what I mean? Like last year he was kind of quiet because he was definitely the number two in that in that new car. But like, oh yeah. boy, no, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. He didn't like. He didn't think twice about giving Raikkonen the chrome horn as the same, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, he did not give a shit. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is this. He's done this against Hamilton. Like, Rosberg required a little bit of luck to beat Hamilton. Like, yeah. Hamilton got into trouble because there were some mechanical failures. He just, some things went against him. And I think he knew Rosberg wouldn't have won that championship if, you know, not for some unfortunate swings for, for Hamilton. You can't say that about Botas. Botas is winning these, these qualifying duels. Yeah. He's starting to win these race duels. Uh, we're not seeing that gap. We're not seeing yeah. Hamilton being winning a race by 30 seconds. We're not seeing anyone winning a race by 30 seconds this yeah. year. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah. I got a quote here from uh, racefans.net. <clears throat> Hamilton was asked to see or asked if he sees Botas as his main title, title rival. Look how fast he changes the subject here. Uh, Hamilton says, no, it's far too early to say one person is the title rival. The Ferraris, as I said this weekend, they had some pace in qualifying and practice. I think if both cars delivered as we delivered, <laughs> I think we would have been a lot closer. We'll have to stay on our toes. Yeah, setting that up. Um, this, this season just it keeps getting interesting. Speaking of interesting seasons, do you want to give us a rundown of Formula 2? What else yeah, have you been I watching, Danny? Yeah, I don't want... I, let, me, let me just... Do, what I'll do is a very quick primer for the other races that run this weekend, because I actually don't want to ruin any of them. Okay. Um, the feature race for Formula 2, which is what happens, I think, before qualifying? It happens on the Saturday, anyway. Um, it was completely bizarre, uh, bananas. Um, multiple safety cars. Uh, lots of instances. Lots of overtaking. Uh, interesting final result. The sprint race, I only just watched it, the highlights of it um, before we went live here. Similar. Multiple safety cars. Uh, lots of crazy stuff going on, on on those first two turns as well. The Formula E race... <laughs> was like comical um it was the second uh paris ypres and it was the first ever uh rain formula e race. oh really okay yes which was effectively like soaping up the track before those cars went out it, i somehow only five cars didn't finish but i feel like Almost every car either missed a turn totally, spun randomly, or like ate a corner at some stage. Well, those cars was- all have a weird center of gravity too, right? <laughs> like, I, like, I was wondering, the light 
and they handle strangely. And I can't they, like, imagine drift. Yeah, like don't they around corners? Yes. Like Formula E cars like drift around corners. Oh, I don't think so, they're light. I think they're they got that huge battery. I think they've got a real low rear center of gravity, and they just they lumber. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they do kind of like they kind of look like. Remember when you get those? Uh, we call them scaleetrics in Europe. I don't know what you call them here. Like the slot, uh, cars. slot cars. Slot cars. You know when you put you change the top on it, you just take the chassis and you kind of stick it on the the yeah. plastic bit on top, and it kind of rattles on the top. That's kind of what they're like. But it was. I mean, it started under a safety car, and it was not the last time we saw a safety car. <laughs> but even it was just any turn, any car could go off, and. Um, yeah, like I said, there was the eighth winner in eighth races, um, and it just seemed like no one was safe at the front or the back or anything. You should check it out. It was it Man. was a lot of fun. Okay, uh, they usually put up the um, the races uh, like two weeks after they actually happen. But yeah, you watched the, it live. The highlights are up now. Yeah, I watched okay. it. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh yeah i mean formula i watched the the feature race of formula 2 i haven't seen the sprint race yet but um you know if if you had never watched formula 2 some people ask us sometimes like what if what would happen if all the formula 1 cars were exactly the same who would Mm -hmm. win that's what formula 2 is all those cars are the same and if you Um, have an f1 tv subscription you can watch those races same with espn uh you can watch them right in the app so uh yeah can you though (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) apparently go for it rob no i just got a, i got a grumpy message uh from one of my <laughs> friends who's trying to watch baku uh sunday morning and like, it was a oh boy it's gonna be a great day and then a few minutes later well it looks like f1 tv crashed the whole internet so <laughs> yeah i don't like it's it, apparently it just completely like failed for everybody during baku i had a very i did not know this happened until i saw the news piece I didn't know something happened to everyone else because it did happen to me. But the bug I had was bizarre. It basically like it was acting as if I didn't have a subscription anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, this was around this time last year when this launched. So maybe my 12 months ran out. Like if I signed up, you know, right before the race, maybe my like 12 months clicked off because it was about lap five. It just kicked me off. Um well, I guess I wasn't that, but I, I've subsequently like re-upped on my subscription, which I don't know if, because it, it's it's not actually over for another like three or four weeks, I think. So hopefully I haven't been like, I didn't just pay for an extra month for no reason, but it was crazy. I couldn't get logged back. I logged back in multiple browsers. I resubscribed to see if that would help. Nothing seemed to work. Um, so yeah, thankfully I found other means of watching the race, but like it was, it was bananas. Yeah, I mean, this is, and we really... I don't recommend this, but this is why I uh, have backups. Like, this is why I, ha- I still have a like a TV subscription that gets me the ESPN app. You know, right? Um, I would or love a ta- or a tab open with F1 streams on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Racefans.net has a quote here from F1 TV: "We are very sorry for the problems you have experienced with F1 TV today. We are still actively investigating the issue and will be refunding a proportion of subscriptions for those impacted over the coming days." Uh, Racefan says that users will be contacted via email for details of how to receive their refunds. So watch your inbox, Danny. Yeah, will do. Oh, boy. Um, speaking, uh, we didn't finish off the standings here in uh, Fantasy, our Fantasy League. Just check the uh, show notes for how to join that. We got, I think, like 1,400 people in there right yeah. now. Yeah. 
I am uh, in 451st place, uh, which I think moved me. I, I yeah. think I'm way up because yeah, uh, no, that's a big jump. I uh, I got <laughs> <laughs> Rob's keeping track at home. Yeah, um, I You're had a pretty on good Rob's team. Fantasy team. <laughs> I, I had Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Botas, and Raikkonen, and Racing Point. Okay, I had yeah. Leclerc, Stroll, Raikkonen, Votas, and Norris. So all my folks, I think, were in the points. And Ferrari was mine. So I did all right. That was my best week by far. Cool. Who was your turbo? Uh, Raikkonen. So I got 20 points for his. He came 10th, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. That's a oh, lot yeah, of bonus so points you get. Yeah. Ah, great minds think alike. Uh, but in the overall standings in our Shift F1 official fantasy league, we've got Maka F1 on top, followed by Alpha with emojis. Uh, shunted tarantulas speed beast in fifth place is steering wheel hey hey give it to me move come on <laughs> uh tied for six we got scuderia calio and leclerc bear flare in eighth hamilton's break the system followed by dragon ball gt and mercedes all the way wow really going out on a limb there <laughs> all right that's what's going on in our racing league but should we get to other racing leagues danny I'm, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. I already talked about for race around the world. <laughs> you know what I just uh, discovered? What? Gander Mountain uh, or Gander Outdoors. Oh, yes. What, the, uh, what's sponsoring the trucks? Yes, Camping World Trucks, new name. Yeah, they're, they're called Gander Outdoors now, but they used to be called Gander Mountain. Gander Mountain. Yeah, that's okay. awful. Gander outdoors. Yeah. No, I want to go to Gander Mountain. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where the rugged so, men live. So are they like shit? They people both. who are like, <laughs> like people are going to rivers are like ah, they sell, like, they just sell mountain stuff. They're like, God damn it, we need to be more general. And I think that fits way better into Gander Mountain trucks. So I'm gonna go with that. Okay, uh, they're at the Dover International Speedway for the Jegs 200. Jags. How are we spelling Jags? J E G S. It appears to be an acronym. I don't know. Uh, okay. If you want, if you want to research that one, Danny. Supercars are in Barbagallo Raceway in Narrabup, Western Australia. Which that's just a lot of uh, Australian sound and words there for the Pertec Perth Super Night Race, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, Jags is a maybe only online retailer. I'm not sure, but they are a retailer of uh, car parts and accessories. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you can get your Jags jeggings. Uh, w Series kicks off this weekend in Hockenheim supporting DTM. Cool. We are so very DTM to get this series started. Uh, the FIA World Endurance Championships Round 7 takes place uh at spa for the six hours of spa i think this is we haven't talked about wec i don't think in a while because they're doing this weird thing where they have a super season that splits multiple oh, yeah. years so i think this is the restart oh, of that. begins and ends at uh lamon that's the I, uh i think that's how it works yeah yeah uh super gt round two is at fuji speedway which prefecture um let's see god damn it drew i'm sorry there's so many so japanese addresses are weird and parsing which yes. of them is the prefecture you think i'd memorize them all 
right now. I, I by now, I think it's the Shizuoka Prefecture. Oh, great one! So What's the, the, you've traveled a lot. What's the weirdest country for addresses? I think it's Japan. Oh yeah, because um, they're like. It's not by street number. It's like by building and then by room. It's oh, really, yeah. it's really bizarre. Uh, also, the IMSA, Im, mm, IMSA WeatherTech Championship is at Mid Ohio for round four. Uh, MotoGP is at the Circuito de Jerez for their Jerez. round four. The NHRA is at uh, the Atlanta Dragway. Uh, for the it's it's in it's in commerce georgia actually it's not in atlanta uh for the arby's southern nationals classic and we got nascar oh my where is it where we're going drew they're also at the dover international speedway Ah, would you believe it i should be there uh oh and the xfinity series is there as well you know i don't mention them too much but they're they're doing the allied steel buildings 200 oh De- Delaware is that. <laughs> I think you know. You already know. Uh, and finally, the NASCAR, the Monster Energy Series, the big boys. They're racing. Guess what? The Gander RV 400. Uh, speaking of trucks, I think we all got tweeted this probably. Go did on. you see there was, there's a truck racing championship video game coming out? I did see this. No, it's, I didn't uh, see this. Yeah, TRC is uh, 12 trucks on a circuit going about 45 <laughs> kilometers each. You can actually hear the air being broken. Um, yeah, it's not... It, what, I don't like think, a sonic boom? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know if... It, I, it's not a Camping World truck thing. No, they're like semi-trucks. Yeah, these are... These are they're not pickups. These are like, yeah, they're hauling, hauling lumber when they're not... <laughs> on the track on the weekend so uh check that one out it's coming out uh july around the the time of the f1 game is i guess fantastic well uh speaking of fun links should we take it to emails danny yeah speaking of japan should we take it to kimmy raikkonen's haiku book yes please if you'd like to send us an email uh you can do so at shift f1 podcast at gmail.com you can do it just like Ben Leonard did, who said, so you guys remember, and I did not for the record, but so you guys remember the Mission Winnow Kimi Haiku book from last year? They sold a very limited run. I'm not a fan of giving money to cigarette companies. I don't think Ben knows that that Mission Winnow isn't a cigarette company. It's actually about, what's it about again? Lifestyle. Building a better tomorrow. Wait, that was a different one. That was the other one. <laughs> it's about using innovation to solve company. problems. Yeah, By something winnowing. like that. <laughs> um but he said uh, uh so i did it's really about tra- constantly improving and evolving that's at their website of course yeah, yeah through imbibing smoke um <laughs> didn't really try and uh buy one but a few months later motorsport.com did a short reprint and the proceeds going towards the grand prix trust a non-commercial charitable organization so i bought one and when it finally came i had a good laugh reading all the amazing haikus our beloved kimmy wrote i thought i'd send a few pics of my favorites um so i have a few pics here thank you very much for sending them in um we've one here called radio silent okay Quiet radio, very obvious things, is not necessary. <laughs> Am I reading this the right way? Is that how you do it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch here, so I'm going to ask you guys uh, to choose which one. There's one called Helmets Are Special, and there's one called Phones. Phones. Always on silent. I don't like when it rings and... 
people are calling. I think he broke the rules of haiku there maybe a little bit. Um, and then the last one here I'm going to go for is... Uh, actually, no. Here's a vote between asphalt and minding opinions. Oh, come on. Minding opinions. Okay. <clears throat> Motivation to race. Nobody knows what I think apart from myself. <laughs> Which might be the most Kimi Raikkonen thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah, so I guess you can't pick that one up, but... Uh, uh, I'm gonna, actually I'm going to read one more. This one's been printed sideways, which is why I'm craning my neck like this gentleman. Normal, this one's called. If we all feel normal, then all my friends are also not normal. Whoa. Kimi Raikkonen. It's like, a, he's, it's like a lemon. Just layers. Is that what a lemon is like? A not- notably layered fruit, the lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Next email comes in from Gracie Langa. Um, all about rich energy. I got a couple of these, actually. Uh, you guys probably already know about this, but since the release of the article on rich energy, they have now started selling cases of it on their website. I oh, did not know this. Strip club. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I guess if the whole uh, uh, oh my God, blue I just coast w- doesn't I, I, come through... <laughs> I just went to the website and... I got a pop-up saying, this is an age-restricted product. (laughs) Is this a strip club? You have to be over 16. I'm not sure if 16 is the strip club. I feel like 21 is the strip club age in Europe as well. So I don't know what 16. Gambling, maybe? I'm very interested. I, I don't know what it... You can buy a case of rich energy for 30 pounds sterling. Wow, how much is that in American dollars? Oh God, the UK is not starting. Is not doing too it's like great forty dollars, I think. Yeah, that that would sound about right. Before maybe let's uh, let's see what it's like in for, modern uh, day. Yeah, thirty eight bucks. Thirty for twenty four so. pack of twenty four. That's not bad. Yeah, when what I shipping's mean, like? It might be a really good deal if, like Rob said last time, it is the ambrosia of the gods. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, maybe this could just be our new life. Like we, like we discover that like just only the best brands back F one teams, and everyone yeah. is just out there living among the winnows, and Do we're up here like living like gods. Do you, does it make sense to skip to email number four then? Yeah, actually, you read my mind. Uh, Juan Portella um, uh, sends in a an email uh, with the title "Weird Sponsors." He says, "So what about Husky Chocolate?" Which instantly I was just compelled to read the rest they seem to have a limited distribution that basically sells quote-unquote adventure chocolate milk around Wait, europe what adventure chocolate milk <laughs> adventure chocolate milk uh, and, <laughs> and they sell hot chocolate mix to restaurants and hotels i guess i found a ski resort in vermont that has a husky chocolate hot cocoa machine in their cafeteria but this doesn't seem to be large enough to buy an entire rear wing decal on a McLaren car. <laughs> so I wonder if this is a semi-legitimate front for something else. Your quest to get Blue Coast Brewing product really got me curious about all this stuff. Now I am curious, Juan. Yeah. This is, like, so wait, this so is Pandora's Husky Chocolate's not on the level either? Adventure, well, hu- Adventure Chocolate Milk can't be a thing. <laughs> that's not that's real. Not sustainable. You can't. That's not a business. <laughs> you don't. You don't power. You don't. You do not run an F one team off of adventure chocolate milk. <laughs> okay, I'm on the Husky Chocolate homepage, and this is. I think this was the red flag when it came to Rich Energy. 
which was that the first thing we saw was a reference to Formula One when he went to the website. The pop-up on the front of Husky Chocolate is, breaking news is all caps, Husky Chocolate signed sponsorship agreement with McLaren F1 team. Read more here. Um, which then links to... Uh, <laughs> um, which uh, which then links to a, a fantastic picture, which I think might be the... Uh, I'm going to try and link it to you. It might be the um, the picture we use for uh, for the thumbnail this week, I think. Um, Drew, have you seen it? If you go to it, I'll send it in the link to you guys. It's pretty good. <laughs> Is Carlos Sainz asking shit. me, please, sir? I'd like some more. <laughs> yep. This is like a like gritty HBO show. Like This is Husky Chocolates, the night of. <laughs> it also it's kind so of looks a little bit like it's been photoshopped onto the cup. I, like, uh, I might be uh-huh. wrong. Yeah. They just it's gave a him weird a red cup. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, here's a quote from Zach Brown, uh, Chief Executive Officer mm, of McLaren mm-hmm. Racing. We're pleased to have Husky Chocolate on board with our team and support the company and their ambitious plans by introducing them to our global sport. I look forward to enjoying a drink together at track and sharing oh our God. adventure with our new partners. Oh, my oh God. boy. Yeah. I wonder... All right. So is it is it because we've never heard of any of these brands? And is mm. it because they don't advertise this is this is their advertising budget as uh, as we've sort of talked about last week it does seem like a kind of wayward advertising policy to just to go for the elephant and then not bother with any sort of you know it's really i don't know going for hitting the fences on this one I, i guess like rich energy is like trying to use this as a springboard right if we believe everything that he says I'm on the Carlos, Carl, Carl, Carlos, Carl Linus's, no, Linus Weissman, who is the owner. I'm on his Instagram. I've, I've gone, I've gone deep on this. I think he's German or maybe not. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of pictures of him just hanging out in the McLaren uh, garage. So he might just be another rich guy who wants to, wants to hang around F1 cars. Okay. What? Hmm. Hmm. Ingredients. <laughs> okay, semi-skimmed milk. All right, so it's not just chocolate drink. It's it, it's okay. milk, sugar, fat reduced. Okay. No, that's all fine. That's all fine. If, the first thing I saw was milk drink chocolate taste, and I was a little concerned. I was like, what does... Because like, is this just fancy Yoohoo? I don't want none of that. Yeah. Um, I just want Yoohoo. Yeah. That is... Uh, I didn't realize that adventure chocolate was a thing, but now I had I must have it. Now all the rest of the chocolate drink I own seems so unadventurous. Oh, so okay. yeah, I guess if, if the Blue Coast thing doesn't work out, we we now have rich energy and husky chocolate to uh to enjoy. Should I do our last email? It's been a Please. rough email. These have been these emails have been rough on my stomach, my general abdomen. It's just getting a bit of a workout from laughing at them all. Um, uh, email comes in from Daniel uh, Westfall, uh, spelled F-A-H-L. That's a fantastic Ooh, surname, yeah. especially if you play World of Warcraft. That sounds uh, adventurous. T- yeah, it does. He's the most adventurous emailer this week. Uh, sorry, Juan. Um, hi there, I'm new to F1. Having been enticed by the Netflix series, we've oh, had sweet. a lot, actually, which is really cool. Welcome. Um, 
I've been learning as much as I can about this sport with the help of your podcast and watching some of the qualifying and races. After watching a few races, it becomes increasingly apparent that tire selection and pit stop strategy are super important. What surprises me is how tire selection and pitting strategies come across as uh, driven by intuition slash superstition, particularly for Ferrari, as what they did with Leclerc at Baku is mystifying. Um, I would expect that these teams would be using learning, uh, sorry, machine learning capabilities to optimize these choices. You could feed a data model with your historical information about track and air temps, tire life, compound, car tuning, competitor strats, and uh, ultimately outcomes. And the computer could look uh, at this complicated multidimensional model and suggest an optimal strategy. Perhaps even more powerful would be the ability to use cloud computing to rerun the model a quarter of way through the race when you know your position and the opposing team's uh, opening strategies in terms of tire selection. Do you know if any such technology is employed by these teams? Is it regulated by a government body? So we've talked a bit about the remote teams in F1, which are regulated in some capacity, which is that a lot of the larger... I mean, every team has... uh, Maybe not every team, actually. I'm not sure if Haas has, for instance. But most of the teams, a lot of the big teams, have big um, departments at their headquarters that are running... Um, I'm not sure if it's models, but they're 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 doing some sort of analytical uh, simulations to figure out optimal strategy, and then they're phoning that stuff into the pit wall, which is then sort of making the call on the track based on that data and also based on other elements that are going on. Like yeah, their own so strategy. The, the rooms look like Mission Control at NASA mm. or something. They're crazy, uh, and they it's not just a, like a phone call. It's like a like. They don't even run across the regular internet. I think it's like a special internet just for this kind of stuff because they're sending gigs of data back and forth. Um, but you're right. I think they're only allowed, teams are only allowed, I think, like 60 personnel hmm. at uh, the track. And I think in even more limited number, like in the garage and on the pit wall. Uh, so that's think, limited. Yeah. And I think I, they're planning on limiting the number of people at a remote site as well. But I don't know if those regulations have come up. Yeah. I thought that came in last year. Oh, really? That, okay. That that was that was one of the regulations that they put something on. Sorry, Rob. So I think there's a couple things that this email like there are limitations to how far you can go with this. First of all, I don't think these teams understand the Pirelli tires as well as they would like. I think Pirelli is handing them things that they do. Do you remember the un, the underplayed element of Ferrari's like most dominant era under Schumacher was that they had such a close relationship yeah. with Bridgestone to the point that other teams were getting pissed that like Bridgestone is providing to multiple teams, but Bridgestone only had technical reps and like a data center working out of the back of the Ferrari. Uh, pit lane like that was like oh, literally wow. a thing that Bridgestone's like technical team and researchers were basically sharing office space with Ferrari and this is one of the reasons that people started going with Michelin because it was clear that Bridgestone was favoring Ferrari Ferrari had the best understanding of tire wear and strategy because of that relationship that nobody else could compete with and all that kind of goes away once, like, Michelin, Bridgestone, all this kind of gets blown away. Uh, Pirelli is sort of brought in, and they're kind of team agnostic. And as I think, uh, I don't know who it was saying this, but, you know, they're really kind of focusing on the top three teams. But even then, because of regulations for about how the tires can be constructed and I, the fact that I don't think the, they work as closely with the individual teams that Bridgestone did, I think both Pirelli from the standpoint of developing new tires every year and then the and the teams are both flying a little with a little less information about 
how a tire is going to perform than you might guess. And so I think there's a lot of like Baku's a really interesting case. They're changeable conditions. You have mm. what por- portions of the track are getting light. What is the, what is the air temperature? There's a lot of variables here that you wouldn't have known to account for. And then there is the element of other teams are making decisions that are changing the running order and physical placement of cars on the track that you do not have time to run that back to the sim team and have them crunch it and then get the right answer back to you. Uh, and so once again, despite oh, all that data, so? I don't think so. Like think, <laughs> think about it. If you're in the pit window and somebody goes for an undercut, you have a minute and 40 seconds to figure out if you're going to answer that. Like, and it might be the model, like the model might be there and there might be people who can give you advice, but you have a minute and 40 seconds to make that strategy call and other yeah. teams are doing things as well. That is, it doesn't matter if you have like, a, like a supercomputer backing you up with like data driven options, you are still limited by your intuition and read about other people's intent about things that you can't feed into the machine yet. Uh, yeah. And so I think this is I, I think that's that's where the crunch. There's, there's a lot of data you can get, but I think this is why you still see these these mistakes happen. Why you still see what you call superstition. Uh, at a certain point, you have to just be looking at what other teams are are are, are going with and thinking. I think I need this track placement. I think this gets me what I need. And yeah, I, I think it, it. I I it's actually something I really really like about Formula One is that you you do have like this uh you know even if you we assume that the computer is all knowing and that the data is all in real time at the end of the day it can only make a suggestion like a human has to be on the ground and make a call uh and that either goes with what the computer says or not um and it's i I think that you know that kind of extends to um a lot of other facets of formula one right like we they develop these cars in uh, wind tunnels and computer-generated models and stuff. And at the end of the day, you have to put that thing on a track and press the gas pedal and still make it go around. And sometimes cars crash into each other uh, and, and things happen. Um, and you still have to make those those gut decisions. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, one of the reasons I like the sport. Yeah, and when it comes to the specific um, instance, I guess, that they're referring to in where this, I guess, question sort of came from perhaps is the whole Leclerc issue where I'm, you know, the, the commentators are very much talking about, Oh, it looks like, why aren't they bringing him in? All this sort of stuff. Um, is that the other element of this is that like outside of, you know, it's like the human psychology of, of risk taking and of like chancing your arm or of hoping something happens that like, those are the decisions that we go, it's not maybe not the optimal decision. Like the optimal isn't necessarily the median decision, but in 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 one of the paradigms, it kind of is that like sometimes the best decision seems like the worst decision for a long time up until it's the best decision. Um, so, for instance, if Leclerc was out that whole time and had a gap behind him, and then suddenly a safety car happens, happy days. He's in the pits. He's he's out again with fresh tires. So. Uh, up until the point when that happens, that's not the optimal strategy. But there, there's all those sort of mini stories that are happening as well. Um, that that you know, the, the, there's the human psychology element where you're like, oh, like th- that could be an okay decision, but maybe we'll chance ourselves here and we'll end up with a an even better decision. And those are the decisions we all remember as well, you know. Yeah, 
and hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, again, if you'd like to email us, you can do so at uh, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. Danny? At Danny O'Dwyer. And Rob? At Rob Zachney. Uh, and if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1, uh, where you can get access to all of our uh, bonus podcast episodes and videos that we'll be doing. Uh, got some fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks on that. Um, yeah. Anything else, Danny? No. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for supporting us for this month. It's been awesome. Uh, we're, we're on the... We'll get the beer. We'll figure it out. We'll try and make it happen. <laughs> the gears are turning already. Uh, yeah, and more cool stuff coming next month. And thanks to all our listeners as well. This was a fun... I like doing these two podcasts. I like doing the podcast every week. This was like... We got to really talk about stuff in this one. We weren't just like, you know, trying to cram a whole bunch of stuff into one podcast. So this is fun. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. And Rob? Same. <laughs> Rob, uh, you're doing your uh, live stream, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so this weekend, uh, this, this week actually, uh, over at Waypoint, we're doing a uh, our half of it is a 36 hour charity marathon stream, and then our mod team is taking over the next 36 hours. So from mm-hmm. noon Thursday to noon Sunday, uh, over on uh, Twitch.tv/slash Waypoint, uh, we're going to be running a charity stream for the Trans Lifeline. Uh, awesome. which raises money for a crisis uh, call center uh, for trans people in, in danger and also provides uh, support with dealing with legal documentation uh, services, things of that nature, as well as uh, trans people who are currently incarcerated and dealing with issues uh, in the in the prison system. Uh, so that is what we're going to be raising money for, money for. And again, we'll be kicking it off on noon on th- at noon on Thursday uh, on twitch.tv slash waypoint. Nice. Awesome. What kind of stuff are you going to be doing? Uh, playing video games. TVD? Hanging out. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> Austin and I are planning to dust off our XCOM save. Oh, uh, man. All that okay. good stuff. Cool. Well, uh, a lot of stuff to watch this weekend then uh, in lieu of Formula One. But until next week, we will... S- <laughs> I reversed it. I uh, reversed it into Danny Kapiat. Have a good race weekend, everyone. <laughs> we will see you all next week. Yeah. <laughs>